What's up, everybody? Shane Larson here from the Game Time Guru Podcast. Excited to be here with you guys today for yet another episode. I want to remind you guys to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Now, if you happen to have an Apple device, such as an iPad, an iPhone, and so forth, make sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts, where you're listening to this on, and subscribe to the show and leave me a review. If you can give me five stars, it really helps me out with the growth of the show. The show has taken off in the last three and a half years, and it's just been amazing being able to continue meeting new people and bringing you guys, the listeners, more and more content that you guys truly like. Also, make sure to head over to Instagram and Twitter. Follow me there on my social media platforms where I engage with our listeners. You guys are going to love this episode as we talk with Cody Pickett, the former San Francisco 49ers quarterback who came out of Caldwell High School, went to the University of Washington, and is now the head coach over at Eagle High School, local high school for um, boys basketball here in the Treasure Valley of Idaho. You're not going to want to miss this episode. It's going to be awesome as we learn about Cody's career from high school all the way up through college, some of the decisions uh, that were made in college going into the pros, and then just the experience playing in the professional level in both the NFL and CFL, and what caused him to make the decision to quit playing professional football and pursue his passions outside of that. So you guys are going to want to tune in, buckle up, get ready for this episode of the Game Time Guru. So what time is it? Game time. This is the Game Time Guru podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's up, everyone? Welcome out to the Game Time Guru Podcast. I am your host, Shane Larson. Excited to be here with you for yet another interview with another amazing individual in the sports world. Now, we got to give a shout out to our sponsors over at 208 Printing for getting all of our merchandise taken care of. If you guys have jerseys or merchandise, swag for your business, whatever that needs to be done, support local 208 Printing. They are the official sponsor of the Game Time Guru Podcast. Now, guys, we have something that goes a little unnoticed here in the Treasure Valley of Idaho. I know a lot of my listeners are, are global and they don't understand it. Idaho, we, we get a bad rap. Oh, you guys don't have the athletes over there that we have over here and so forth. Well, guess what? Today we get to talk to somebody who actually competed the highest level in the sport of football and then has taken his, his skills to the next level into the coaching realm, which is always something we like to hear about. His name is Cody Pickett out of uh, Caldwell, Idaho here, Caldwell High School, and we get to learn more about his journey. Cody, thanks so much for joining the show. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. Now, Cody, uh, you went to Caldwell. You were a, a huge athlete growing up, though. Talk to us a little bit about your sports background when you were, you know, growing up, all the sports that you played. And rumor has it you were actually into rodeo, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe, like, you had everything, didn't you? So can yeah. you talk about that a little bit? I was a busy, busy guy in high school. I, uh, I grew up on Chicken Dinner Road in Caldwell. Uh, my dad was a cowboy. He rodeoed his whole life. That's how he paid his bills. So I grew up with a rope in my hand. Uh, and, uh, so, so I really know, knew how to rope and, um, I was a football guy, basketball guy. And in high school, I started playing golf. So, um, I didn't have much time to get in trouble because it, it was one event to another. So, 
uh, yeah, multi-sport guy. Uh, I played football. Was very fortunate to get a scholarship to play football, but uh, had a huge passion for basketball and and uh, and rodeo as well. That's crazy, man. Like you are truly like a multi-sport athlete. Like rodeo is a non-traditional sport, if if you will. So it's kind of cool that you got into all of it. It's surprising that you also did that because a lot of football players and basketball players might shy away from rodeo um, just because of the potential risk there but it's cool that you were able to do that it shows you were a tough guy and you mentioned you got a scholarship to play football quarterback position going to the University of Washington what was the decision why, why did you make that decision to go to the University of Washington back in the early 2000s um it was it was an easy decision for me you just when there's things like the older you get the more you know something's right uh, I was very fortunate in high school I had a I had a wide variety of offers some great schools uh, a lot of the schools in the Pac-10 at the time, Pac-12 now, a lot of those schools, um, you know, Purdue's, um, Tennessee came in late. Uh, my final two was kind of Arizona State and Washington. And I say my final two, I see guys nowadays, they have all the different hats and everything. I, I had a variety of offers, and I just kind of knew right away that I, wa I wanted to be a Husky. I mean, the traditional quarterbacks they had, um, I took a recruiting trip up there, saw a game, a Husky stadium. Obviously, I'm biased. I played a lot of cool places. Husky Stadium, second to none. I mean, it really is right on the water. I mean, I walked in and it's like, yeah, I, I got to be here. So, uh, and it was kind of weird after I committed uh, Lambright and the staff that I committed to, they actually got fired uh, into the season. So then it kind of opened up a door. Well, do I still really want to go there? And I went to Arizona State. Um, great coaches, great staff at Arizona State, but I, just, I knew I wanted to be a Husky. So uh, Coach Newhouse came in, gave me a call, offer was still on the table, and decided to, you know, still be a Husky, and it was a great decision for me. That's awesome, and I, and I can second that. That stadium is unbelievable. For those who are, mm -hmm. you know, in other areas across the country, um, if you haven't been to Husky Stadium, I've only been there once, and it was a, a Boise State game, um, not this last one, but it was back in 07, and that was one of the coolest things I've ever seen, man. They were tailgating on the bay. Like, it was like in their boats. They're tailgating yeah. right on the water right there. Like, the, it just looks right over the water. It's one of the coolest stadiums, coolest backdrops, and they have phenomenal facilities. So, I'll oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. and, and there's, there's, there, there's as many people in the parking lot that, that don't even come into the game. You know, there's 75,000 in the stadium, but then there's another, I don't know, 50,000 in Montlake that never come out. So, I mean, it's a – and, and you can go for different, I mean, you can bring the boat in or you can be on the Montlake side or the other side. And it's just, this is an awesome, awesome atmosphere. It is a pretty sweet atmosphere. It's something that like, I don't want to hate on my alma mater at Boise State, but like, listen, like there are some really cool tailgating experiences. I went to Ohio State to check out their games, like a whole different tradition in different schools. Washington's a, a good one. Now you had a, a, a career at Washington. You had a choice going into your senior year. Now this is a decision like, uh, a lot of people want to hear about from college athletes that, you know, you were, you're, you're an NFL prospect. You, you had a, you know, you're good. Like you're a good quarterback and you decide to come back and play your senior season. Your senior season ended up being one that was kind of injury riddled, if you will. Uh, you had some injuries and, and mm -hmm. hiccups and road bumps that you had to go through. Um, ultimately still making it to the NFL, but do you ever look back at that decision? Do you still feel it was the right decision? And then you played through some massive injuries. Do you think that could have maybe, um, hindered you or what were your overall thoughts on your senior year coming back that whole decision and that process well this is like a two hour long answer to your question here <laughs> so I'll try to keep it within a couple minutes um let me let me first of all say that all the stuff I played through and all that I couldn't be in a better place in my life right now I'm just in an amazing place I have a great business in, in the insurance world 
um, coaching hoops. I'm in a great, great place right now. But with that being said, and it was a no-brainer I should have left after my junior year. I mean, I was coming off a junior year where I threw for more yards than anybody ever in the Pac-10. I threw for about 44, 4,500 yards. Um, had a great junior year. We were throwing for almost 400 a game, 350 a game, whatever it was. Uh, um, but yeah, coming back, that, when the season was over, I remember my dad called me and he said, hey, you got to leave. And I'm like, dad, I don't want to leave. You know, I'm a comfortable guy. I'm a loyal guy. You know, I love Seattle. It's going to be a senior year. And I did not want to go. I'm a creature of habit. The guys that know me well know it's kind of hard to get me out of my routine. I'm a routine guy. I, I get in a routine. I stay consistent. So people tease me about it. I'm like, man, you never get to beat pad. I'm just a consistent guy. So that junior year was over and it was like, hey, look, go enjoy an off season. Get ready for a big senior year. Enjoy Seattle. Or leave and go to Newport Beach and start getting ready for the combine and start, I'm not combine because I couldn't go. I was a junior to start getting ready for the draft. And so I didn't want to go in my gut. And my dad was telling me I had to go. I needed to go. Carson Palmer was going to be the first pick. Byron Leftis was a top five guy. And then it was Grossman, Bowler, and myself for kind of that end of the first round, second round kind of guy. I mean, and I don't want to sound like one of the guys, well, if this would have happened, this would have happened. But that was pretty legitimate that right. I was going to be in that group of guys. So I went in and talked to Coach Neuheisel. I said, hey, Coach, Coach they, they said if I leave, I'll be the end of the first, second round. And he said, yeah, that's probably right. You, you might be a second rounder. What if you fall to the third round? You know, what if you fall and, and uh, you know, if you stay, um, you know, we got a chance to win a Rose Bowl. I was Kurt Kerbstreet's preseason Heisman guy. I mean, it kind of makes me we feel weird now, you know, seeing that I was the preseason. I got magazines where I'm the middle of the magazine for Kurt Kerbstreet's preseason Heisman guy. So it was leave and go to the unknown or stay and be comfortable. And Coach Neuheisel said, hey, you know, we can come. And then I leave that meeting and Reggie, Reggie Williams, who's the eighth pick in the draft, my guy, he was a true junior. So he couldn't leave. I was he just finished his sophomore year. So he had to stay one more. And he's like, Hey, CP, you can't leave, man. You got to stay. You got to be my guy for one more year. So that's what I wanted to hear. Anyway, long story short, I decided to stay a couple weeks later. Uh, Coach Neuheisel was let go um, for, I, I don't know what the actual reason that, he was let go, but Coach Neuheisel was let go. Our offensive coordinator took over. Uh, Keith Gilbertson was, a, was an amazing guy. He was the offensive coordinator. Um, but a year was just started weird. You know, it started weird with him let, being let go. We had a couple linemen get hurt early. Uh, we had a, a backup quarterback who was a good friend who ended up playing fullback. We, and then we have to start at Ohio State, oh, by the way, that are defending national champs. So we go to Ohio State. Uh, we get beat by 14, 17, something like that, Ohio State. Great atmosphere over there. And then we come back against Indiana the second game, and I check to an option, get on the edge, and I try to, you know, get after a safety, and he hit me pretty good, and I tore my pec. Uh, so I tore my pec, and I played with a torn pec my whole basically senior year, and I don't want to make excuses, but I sent – I was second in school history in passing yards to myself the year before. So I still had a good statistical year, but we didn't win as many games as we were supposed to. I mean, we were the we were the, role, we were the Pac-10 favorites, and we ended up going 6-6. Six and six. So – you go six and six, you play with a torn pec, uh, you know, you get to the combine and you have, you're missing an AC joint that they cut off after my senior year. So I'm kind of rambling on now, but all these things you said, like playing tough, I played through a lot of injuries. I'm proud of that. But looking back on it and being like a financial decision, I should have left her feet and I shouldn't have played through all the injuries. See that, I know I really appreciate the response. I, that's what I, I love on here is the detailed response because it gets the, the truth behind the athlete. There is, so much more than just like, you know, the fans are always like, well, I want you to come back. And like, 
even today's yeah. world, like they can leave early and all this stuff. Like, and there's a lot of athletes that can make it into the NFL at a younger age and, and so forth. But like the fans selfishly want the guys to come back, but from a financial aspect, seriously, like what people don't understand is like a second or third round pick financially compared to what it, you know, ended up being later, just, it's a drastic difference. Um, there's signing bonuses that and, and are in the first round yeah. and so forth. Go ahead, Cody. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to add it. Like all that stuff I, that the, the fans want. That's how I. That's how I was raised. Like you, you rub some dirt on it. You know what I mean? Like you play through everything. Like you're loyal to your team. Like all that stuff that I'm proud of. On one hand, you know, being loyal to somebody, being tough. You know, rub some dirt on it. Let's, you know, all that stuff. I'm so proud of, but in that world, like it's not the right decision. It's not at all. I mean, like, cause when you're getting ready for the draft, they're trying to pick at what's wrong with you, different things. You have to, you know, I'm an analogy guy, strike all the irons hot. Like when you are hot, you have to take advantage of it because things will just get worse and worse. So yeah. And that's, that's where a fine line is. And that's where fans maybe not understand is I appreciate what they're there, what, what they're thinking. That's how I played. That's how I tried to be but it wasn't the right financial business decision. And, you know, guys are getting smarter and, and they're, they're, the people that are representing them are, are giving them good advice. Totally. Totally. Now, Dennis, yeah. Like if you guys want to go check out some of uh, Cody's, like, it, like the whole senior season, it was tough, but you did play through the whole thing. And like you said, statistically, you still had a good year, but then you get to that next level. And again, I'm glad you said that they, they nitpick. Like all these these organizations, mm -hmm. the NFL, they're they're nitpicking little things. I mean, Jay Ajayi, who was a local guy here out of Boise State, one minor knee thing dropped him. Well, that's debatable, but it dropped him a couple rounds, which cost him ultimately millions of dollars um, with with his whole draft situation because one person nitpicked one little injury that he had that never actually affected him, or at least he says it never affected him, and uh, it ended up dropping him. I mean, these little things, and you had to come had to come off shoulder peck. Uh, concussions and so forth. And, and, and it's just one of those things. Ultimately though, you made it to the NFL. Um, probably wasn't as high as you wanted to get there, but you made it to the, the 49ers drafted. And I believe it was the seventh round. Talk to us about that experience. Did you feel like you had a chip on your shoulder coming in? And uh, what was it like knowing that, okay, you know, the senior year was not what it was supposed to be or not what I expected it to be, I should say, but now I'm in the NFL, but now I got to earn my spot because I'm not like guaranteed a roster spot by any means. What was that like for you? It's weird. I mean, it's, I don't it's, it's, it's a really strange situation. You come from a situation where you're the guy, right? You're the guy and you've been the guy for three years to now getting on a team drafted lower and like, you got to do anything you can to just actually make the team. And, and uh, you know, the NFL and college is so different because the mental aspect of the game and my coaches know, and I, I wasn't, I was the more the guy before, like, you know, try to be the tough guy, play through things and just kind of figure it out. The X's and O's portion of it, you know, the quarterbacks in the NFL, they're so smart. I mean, these guys are so smart. They're watching so much film. They're dissecting all the mental part of the game. And that was a transition for me because I was, you know, I wanted to be the big physical guy, just try to figure, figure it out. And so that first year trying to, you know, get the terminology and making all the checks and things like that, it was, it was different. And I had, I had three coordinators in three years in San Francisco. It's kind of the, after the junior year from then on, I kept track. I played until I was 31 years old and I had, I don't know, 10 different head coaches and 12 different coordinators. Like every year I was learning a new offense, learning a new situation. So after that rookie year, uh, coach Erickson was my coach. He drafted me. He was an awesome guy. He was let go after the rookie year. So then I had Mike Nolan the second year 
and Mike McCarthy was our coordinator, both fantastic guys, love those guys, and actually kind of made the team that second year playing special teams. Um, I was kind of in that Taysom Hill role back in 2005, 2006. I mean, the first six, seven games, I, uh, I, I played special teams. I'd run down on kickoff, tackling people on punt, and uh, we drafted Alex Smith that second year. We had four quarterbacks. This is a really, really long story, but I'll keep it short. I made a team playing special teams that second year. I didn't have any quarterback reps because I had the helmet without the, the speakers in it. Uh, fast forward, we're playing Tampa Bay that second year, and I'm I uh, we traded Tim Ritzay. Uh Alex was our starter, Ken Dorsey was the backup, and I was the third guy, but I was playing special teams like Taysom. I hadn't had any quarterback reps. Well, Alex gets hurt the game before Tampa Bay, so Ken's the starter, I'm the backup, but I'm going to get any reps because the backup quarterbacks don't, especially when you're the third guy. Anyway, I run down to make a tackle on special teams against the Buccaneers. I came off, and they said, hey, Ken's got a rolled ankle you're up. Okay, great. Took my gloves off, went over, took the helmet off that had the, that didn't have the speakers, put one on that did have the speakers. And next, you know, interceptions for your niner ball. I'm like, Oh my, so I took two snaps from Jeremy Newberry, all pro, pro center. And I go out and I finished the game at quarterback. Well, we win the game. The game's over. People are going crazy because here's the guy that played special teams and now quarterback. And now you're the starting quarterback. You've had no reps. You were the fourth guy to start camp. You're a special teams guy. And you, by the way, you've got five days to get ready for Eli Manning and the giants come to town. Played okay that game, got a concussion in the second quarter, figured out a way to play the next week because you're not going to not be the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. Again, looking back on it, horrible decision because it wasn't the right decision. I was not right. And I started to figure out a way to, to, to be okay and play. And you show up to Soldier Field, which I was a huge Bears fan. You show up to Soldier Field. If you ever bored one of these days, go Google that game. 2005, Chris Berman, and he's got the whoop. And all the 40-mile-an-hour wins, Soldier Field, Brian Urlacher and the Bears, one of the best defense in the deal, concussed the week before, wearing contacts. They won't stay in your face because the wind's so bad. I complete like two of 12 passes. They return a 109-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. That was the end of my starting run, San Francisco. Now, after the season, I still had an opportunity. You know, Coach Nolan and McCarthy are like, hey, look, if you, if you want to stay, well, Coach Nolan mainly, you know, maybe we turn you into this full-time role of doing the Taysom Hill stuff. I reference Taysom Hill because that's what he does, you know, because that's how I kind of started the year. And I was like, you know, I love it here. I want to stay here, but I want to play quarterback. And they said, well, you know, if you had an opportunity to go play quarterback somewhere else, would you welcome a trade? I'm like, yeah, I mean, I don't want to go somewhere, but if you can trade me for an opportunity to play quarterback, I really think I can play quarterback in this league. Long story short, they traded me to Houston for a conditional draft pick. I played in two preseason games, and they let me go. And from there, I went to Canada for like six years. I started my basketball game. Man, so that was a, a short, condensed version right there. It's a long, long, long story, but uh, try to go as fast as I can there. Yo, through. I really appreciate it, though. Like, this is awesome. Like, you're, you're going into the details here a little bit and, and, and kind of, like, bringing up some questions. The first thing I wanted to touch base on is, you know, you, you're talking offensive coordinators. We kind of brushed over that pretty quickly, but mm -hmm. I want to get that from your perspective. This is something, and it's interesting because you mentioned Alex Smith, obviously play on the same team as the guy. This is something I always – I'm not even a Niners fan. Sorry, I, I'm a Cowboys fan, but – I used to defend Alex Smith cool. because people hated on him so much. And I said, dude, the guy had like seven offensive coordinators. It's like every year, his first part of his career in San Francisco, he had a new offensive coordinator. You're like, who cares? He's an NFL quarterback. But you just kind of referenced like you had three offensive coordinators. Talk, why is it hard? Why is that hard for an NFL quarterback? What does that mean when you have a new offensive coordinator? So I, I had Ted Tolan in my first year. I had Mike McCarthy my second year. And I had North Turner my third year in San Francisco. 
So three offenses. So simple things like it's hard to simple language could mean the same thing, but it's referenced a completely different way. So there's the West Coast terminology. There's Norm Turner where he's the number system. So basically what that means are play concepts and plays could be very similar, but they're they come out of your mouth way different. I mean, like a Mike McCarthy run play in the West Coast offense is like can tear, run out off, Fox 42, 43 run, X and Z key, linebacker check with me on one way break. I mean, it's like long, wordy sentence. And then, you know, norms will be like numbers, like 989 and different, like it's just different language. So playing the game, people think that, hey, you know, oh, this guy's big, strong, he throw it a long ways. That's fine in college and high school. In the NFL, it's, you have to be so smart. You have to be able to uh, get comfortable with an offense, recognize defenses, and be able to mentally handle the game. Because the guys in college, you know, you'll see a blitz, you'll see something happen, and you'll check to a side adjust or a fade or move your protection one way or the other. And defenses don't really change with you. In the NFL, you check, they check. You check, they check. They're calling out different things, and it's just, you know, the best guys in the NFL aren't necessarily the guys that throw it the farthest or the most accurately. They can put themselves in good situations. They know how to protect themselves. They know how to always make sure they're not going to get hit. I mean, Tom Brady, I mean, that's why he's so awesome. I mean, he's, he's very accurate, but as far as protecting Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, some of these guys that are just legends because they know the mental part of the game. I mean, it's, I, mean I don't know. I don't want to put names out there, but there's guys that have been big, strong, throw the ball a hundred yards and they don't make it because they don't have the mental part of it. And so where I'm going with that is the mental piece of understanding the game, being on the same page with your coordinator is huge. And that's why you see a lot of backup quarterbacks go with coordinators because the coordinator might be somewhere for two or three years and they've got backup Cody or whatever that's comfortable with the system. And now he goes to Baltimore or wherever he can bring his backup quarterback and know that if something goes wrong with their guy, they can plug this guy in that's really comfortable the offense and go manage again. Totally makes sense, man. It's super interesting. I love hearing the, the play calls too. People just think this is what I tell people, Cody is like, they think that athletes are dumb jocks. And I think that's completely inaccurate. And when you're talking about you're referencing a play call right there, it's like speaking a different language. I, I speak Portuguese. It took me a long time to figure out how to speak it. We had to study for a long time. Um, and it's just it's the same concept. It's a whole other language you have to understand. And everything you just said there, you broke it down. Like, they, you check, they check. It's like a chess match out there. Not to mention you got 300-pound dudes running a 4-5-40 coming at you. Like, it's just crazy. Like, there's a lot that's going on. They're not dumb jocks. <laughs> I can guarantee you that. You're more than just Play, – Plays are like paragraphs. <laughs> plays are like paragraphs. When, like, when, I mean, you watch – now they have the cameras that go – I mean, Philip Rivers and some of these guys, you'll see, like, they'll go through protection. They'll go, that, 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 that. That, 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 and they'll look over here. That, that, that. I mean, like, it's literally like a paragraph is play call. It's crazy. Yeah, it's not like the Optimus football days where it was red, 18 sweep, on two, ready, break. <laughs> it's not like that anymore no. when you get up to no. that level. So you go to, you, you go through it, you, and I love that you explained the whole process, like the kind of the experience of you starting. I actually remember um, you getting the, the starting gig and, and working your way through with special teams and just showing how athletic you were and getting your spot there. But then you ended up ultimately getting over to Canada. Um, talk about your experience in Canada. What was the differences between the games, between that and American football? And uh, did you, did you, overall, did you enjoy it over there? Loved it. Canadian is awesome. I mean, it's, Canadian is awesome. I mean, you get there in June. Uh, you're home by November. It's six months, seven months. Um, there's not the off-season stuff. They have the NFL. And the game is different. I mean, there's, 
it's a bigger field. You have guys in motion. I remember taking my first snap and I was, you know, Cadence, and I've got two guys back here and two back here. I'm like, what, what are we doing? You wave them forward and the guys are on a full sprint running forward at the last scrimmage. So you only get two downs instead of three or you punt on third. It's a, it's a different league, but it's fun. I mean, it's, it's a fun league. I really enjoyed it. Um, Toronto is an amazing city. I mean, one of the coolest cities around. Um, so I was in Toronto with the Argonauts. Uh, it all runs together. I think I was there four years. And I had five different head coaches. Oh, head wow. coaches, not coordinators, head coaches. Steve Barato is a great friend. He actually lives here in the Valley. Uh, we, had, we had five different head coaches. So I didn't change coordinators. I changed head coaches, uh, which is interesting because you and your coordinator, Steve and I, were on a great page. But, you know, you get the defensive and the new defensive head coach. Well, he doesn't want us to do this, this, and this. And you get an offensive guy. He doesn't want you to do this, this, and this. Legitimately, from 2007 to 2010, when you're bored sometime, Google head coaches for the Toronto Argonauts. I had Penn Clemens. I had Russ Dubler. I had uh, Bart Andrus. I had five guys, five different head coaches in four years. So, anyway, awesome league. Loved it up there. Great experience. If I would have went up there right out of college, I might have been like a guy like Ricky Ray or – uh, Damon Allen, a guy that stayed up there for a long time. Um, actually, uh, Dave Dickinson, good friend Dave Dickinson, uh, played up there for a long time, Montana guy. He was my coordinator in the last spot in uh, in Calgary. And he wanted me to come back. And I, I said, Dave, I'm done. I'm done. I was 30 years old. I started this, my insurance business. I was coaching hoops. Uh, my little my little guy uh, was about to be born, my, my first son. And uh, had a couple opportunities to go play. And I, I'd probably still be playing up there because I had great relationships. Um, but I was ready for some consistency. I was ready to not be traded within two hours. I was ready not to be called at 6 a.m. in the morning and say, hey, we're going in a different direction. So I wanted some consistency in my life. So chose to, 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 to exit that part of it. I was going to ask, I mean, you, you already answered the question. It was like, when did you decide to like, and why you decided to hang it up and, and kind of like call it good. But that actually makes total sense. A guy, a creature of habit, like you referenced earlier, the NFL, the CFL, it's probably not the most, like, I mean, it's a business. So like, like you said, for someone who's a creature of habit, that I, the idea of getting like, oh, uh, going to the Texans, play too pre, okay, bye. Now you're going up to Canada and there's all like the consistency with the coaches, like the inconsistency with the coaches. I should say. It's not always like the easiest. So I can totally see why you wanted some consistency and life was kind of moving forward for you. Um, moving on to the basketball thing. But before we get there into like your, your coaching realm, Tell us, Cody, you know, you played with a lot of players um, at the elite level. I mean, we were with the 49ers. I mean, that's pretty cool. Like, I mean, I'm not a Niners fan. I actually hate them because I'm a Cowboys fan, but I respect the organization and the history behind it. Like, and the fact is you got to play alongside some awesome people. Who were your top three players that you got to play with in your career? That's in the NFL, CFL, college, whatever. But what's your top three you would say? Are that, that, I, that I was on the same team with or I played against the same Ooh. team with? Let's say same team with, but then I'll That's ask awesome. you the other one, like who's somebody that you played against that you really respected or something. But we'll go with the, someone you played with on the same team. Um, well, I mean, I guess a, kind of a crazy uh, uh, rookie from Miami sitting next to me every day, like CP, I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I'm, I miss home. I don't know. It's just too far away. I don't know if I can do it. Uh, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. And now he's a Hall of Famer, Frank Gore. Frank Gore was right next to me, shared, you know, right next to my locker for, for a couple years. Awesome guy, Vernon Davis. Davis. Uh, Brian Young, amazing player. Um, you know, I played with a lot of guys. I mean, I, I was on the same team with Alex. Same team with Alex. Um, yeah, I mean, Vernon Davis, Frank Gore, Alex. Uh, some good players. Good players. 
Wow, that's crazy. What about the, the like a one player that you played against that you know absolutely influenced you in some form or fashion? Um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, like you know, seeing Peyton, Tom Brady, you know, obviously being on the field and being on the field in uh, you know New England and and seeing a guy like Tom Brady, that's that's pretty cool. You know, seeing a guy like Michael Vick who you saw running around and then you're like, wow, he is little. You know, like there's different <laughs> things like that or are weird when you see guys in, in, in real life and stuff. So I don't know. I wasn't really a necessarily fan of anybody. I don't want to sound disrespectful or whatever, but I just, maybe because I was able to make it that far, they were just guys. But I guess now maybe separating yourself, it's cool that I was able to be on the same field or just even in the same kind of, you know, uh, realm as those guys. I mean, if you look at my draft class, I mean, I talk about kind of maybe be in bad luck you maybe pick a draft class that isn't as good as the one that you're in I'm talking about Hall of Famer Ben Ben Roethlisberger uh Philip Rivers Eli Manning I mean how many Super Bowls you know I mean it's just we, really really cool draft class that I was a part of I mean some people argue the 84 draft class or our draft class was was the best one it's a pretty good argument uh it's a really good argument man what's your favorite stadium you played in when you were in the NFL best stadium out there oh best stadium they're so different. I mean, like places like Denver were new and fancy and, and you know, uh, just awesome. But then, you know, the, the, the history of candlestick, you know, uh, Seattle stadium is awesome. I mean, you go up there to the 12th man, it's just on fire. And I love Seattle cause I'm a Husky. So I don't know. I, I don't know if I have a particularly favorite one. I'll say Seattle cause I'm a Husky. So there we go. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough, man. So Cody, you make the transition to coaching basketball. Um, it started, you kind of referenced it a little bit ago, talking about um, helping out with some, some youth basketball on the girls' side, if I'm not mistaken. But talk to us about the basketball thing, because then it transitioned into high school basketball where you were coaching an elite basketball program. And I, when I say that, literally anybody who's listening to this, Cody had a nationally ranked girls' basketball program here out of the Treasure Valley of Idaho over at Eagle High just a couple years back. They were national, I think they were in the top 25. Um, so talk to us about how that you got started into the coaching thing and then how you started coaching girls basketball and uh, what, what the reason was be behind that. Okay. Well, uh, I guess going back to Canada, it all ties back to the whole Canada experience. I came home from Canada one winter, um, went to a poker game with my dad, and he said, hey, you know, you're going to come help. I need you at the gym tomorrow. You're going to help coach your little sister's sixth grade basketball team. I said, dad, I'm not going to go coach little girls basketball. I'm 27 years old. I'm still getting paid to play football. I want to hang out. Long story short, as the whole respect thing I talked about earlier, I didn't, I'm going to respect what my dad told me. So I had my butt in the gym the next day, helping coach little girls <laughs> basketball. Long story short, I've always had a true passion for the game of basketball. So I decided to hop in. Um, the next summer or next winter, I came back from coaching in Canada. I started my own club team. Um, the club stuff really was going well. I had two teams. Um, and then 2010, I was really just kind of burnt out of playing football. Just, I can't have this inconsistency going back and forth. Um, so I started to start my insurance company and I also accepted the head varsity job at, at, at North Star, which is a little two A school over here in school. Uh, so I just got the North Star job, uh, started my insurance company. Um, a little man was going to be born in June. I've been married for a year. Um, and this is spring of 2011. Now I get a call from the old coach. Hey, Cody, I'm here. I'm in Edmonton now. I need you here. And I was like, oh my God, I got goosebumps thinking about right now. Like, you want me back? I made $11,000 my first year in insurance. 11. I got offered a contract making 125000 
for six months. And I said, I can't do it. I, I'm doing insurance. I'm going to coach hoops. I can't do it. He said, here, go talk to your wife, talk to Harley, figure out a number. I want you to be with us this year. So I went home, talked to her and she's like, you got to go. We have no money. You're making $11,000. So I thought big number, 200 grand, whatever for six months. And my fear was he would say yes. And I would have to leave coaching hoops. I'd have to leave my insurance company. I wouldn't be able to be around my son. That's when I knew I was done playing football. So I said, Hey, I'm done. I'm done playing football. I appreciate it. I told my agent, don't call me anymore. I don't want to have the, the heartache of it anymore. I'm going to coach hoops. I'm going to do insurance. And from then on, 2010, I rolled with the North Star boys. I started my first year being a varsity head coach. Um, they won one game the year before we got them, one league game. We won 20 in our first year. We ended up being the consolation, uh, consolation champs in the two-way bracket. So we made it to state both years at North Star. Um, I stopped coaching the club stuff. And then the girls' job opened at Eagle. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to hop over there. All my little club girls that got me started, they were now going to be seniors. I remember taking a lunch and saying, hey, I'm going to go to Eagle. They were all at Rocky Mountain. And they kind of laughed at me and said, we're going to smack you guys. I'm like, yeah, you're right. They, and they did. Our first year, they beat us by a bunch. But after that first year, we rattled off some great years. I mean, like you said, we, uh, uh, before I got to Eagle, there was one trophy in the case. And in six years, we won five. We, won, uh, we played in three consecutive state championships. Uh, we won third in the state last year. We won our first state championship the year before that, and then we were running it up to two years. So uh, had an awesome run with the girls at Eagle. Uh, we were 22nd in the nation, ranked 22nd in the nation three years ago. And, uh, yeah, had an awesome run, and now I'm on the boys' side. Man, I really like it. Cody, this has been an awesome interview. Just because I love how open you are about the whole situation, that was, a pro that was probably a very difficult decision. I mean, given numbers there too, 11,000 offered 120 plus, like, I mean, obviously people know money, it's not everything, but I mean, it can help. <laughs> so like, that's, it's a, yeah, it's a difficult decision to make. Absolutely. So that's awesome that absolutely. you did that though. And, and, and you, you stuck to your passion, your drive, and you knew what you wanted to do. And now it's, you know, you're, you're, you're running a successful business on the insurance side. You're, you're coaching, you're, you're doing your thing. Like you ran a good bit, like you've got everything put together, but you had to make that decision earlier on. Like, Hey, I have to, I have to go all in on this and you've done it. And it's really cool to hear like everywhere you go, you're shifting the programs. And that is why you kind of just referenced it. You coach the girls side of things, you flip that program back and they're just like cranking stuff out. Now the guys, you're going to the guy side. So you went to the guys, to the girls, now back to the guys over at the same school, you're coaching the girls. Mm -hmm. We're looking to see how you can flip that program around, but what's the mentality that you bring to try to get to instill into those players, whether they're female or male to get them into that winning mindset to, to, I guess, resurge those programs? Um, I don't know. Maybe just, I, I, first of all, I, I'm in a great school. I mean, I have amazing parents. Uh, admin support is awesome at Eagle. And I got a bunch of really good kids. So, um, you know, I don't, and there's the, the ton of the, our kids play club basketball. There's great club coach, coaches around here. Uh, so for me, I mean, it's really just kind of connecting dots and getting the right lineups and, and still in some toughness, you know, coaching girls and boys are a little bit different. Um, you know, our girls were really skilled. Like I said, they all played club ball and uh, great families and our guys, uh, you know, we're big, we're strong. We just got to be mentally and physically a little bit tougher. And hopefully uh, we can find a way to do that early. Um, I have a great group. We're big. I mean, I'm on, I'm six, four and I'm out there on the court and I'm probably, you know, I'm one of the small guys out there. So we got <laughs> some good size. I'm excited about it. Um, kind of like what I said earlier in the interview, kind of that old, I was raised, we, we got to find that a little bit, you know, we got to be tough. We got to rub some dirt on it and get after some people. So 
uh, I'm excited to do it. And hopefully this virus can find a way to go away soon so we can have a season because uh, I have a, uh, a great group of guys and I'm excited, excited to coach them. Totally. And uh, yeah, that's, it's a super important piece of it. Like we're in unprecedented times right now uh, going into the, the whole world is an unprecedented time. We're trying to figure out stuff. Um, how are you guys going about practices right now? Are you guys just staying accountable and doing everything within the, the guidelines of what we've been given? Yeah, I mean, we, we had three weeks in June where, uh, you know, we did some stuff uh, trying to get in, you know, just philosophies installed and things like that. Couldn't really do a lot because we were trying to do the best we could to, uh, to, to, to stay within the guidelines. Uh, you know, that's one thing we, we, we want to make sure we're doing our part and stay in the guidelines. And then uh, in early July, when kind of things got crazy around here and, and uh, the numbers picked up, we just decided to shut it down. So, um um, we've had one open gym since then, and a couple of my guys are playing club ball. And uh, yeah, we're we're trying to do do our part to 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 stay uh, virus free, and uh, hopefully football starts, hopefully school starts, please let school start. And um, yeah, once that all happens, then we'll get back in the gym. We'll, we'll find a way to be competitive. We just need to have some normalcy back in our lives. For sure. 100%, man. And Cody, I appreciate you taking the time to join us today. I have one last question for you as we wrap up the interview, man. Like, first, we look forward to seeing if this virus can just kind of, I guess, I wouldn't necessarily say dissipate. It's not going to just go away. But, like, as long as we can get it under control, hopefully everything will go, get back to some sort of normal capacity. But, and we can see what you, can, you guys do with your, your program. But I want to know, what's one piece of advice with all the experience you've had, you know, all the experience in, in sports and life with business as well, um, What's one piece of advice you'd give to our listeners out there that uh, could impact them in a positive way? Um, I don't know. Trust your gut. Trust your gut. I mean, I might sound cliche or corny, but there's a lot of decisions. Like I said, when we first started the interview, there's so many things I could second guess on what that I would have done different that I probably should have done different, but I've always followed my gut and I couldn't be happier than where I'm at right now. I'm in a fantastic place. I mean, there's, it was a long interview here and I was long winded. I'm sorry about that, but there was a lot of different detours in the road that I could have taken. Um, but I just went with my gut feeling and what feels right to me and I couldn't be happier. I'm in a great place right now. So I guess that would be it. I mean, there's going to be hard decisions in people's lives, especially on the sporting side of things. And you just got to do what you feel is right for you. And, uh, cause everybody's life's a little bit different, you know, do what's right for you and, and, and trust it and, uh, go forward with it. I love it. And, uh, don't apologize for, being quote unquote long-winded. We really appreciate it. It's one of my favorite interviews because you've given so much detail and, and that's what the listeners want to hear. So once again, Cody, we cool. want to just say thank you for joining the Game Time Guru podcast. I appreciate having me on. Thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And all the listeners out there, make sure you hit the subscribe button, leave us five stars here on Apple Podcasts or any podcast platform that you're listening on as well. And uh, make sure to tune in because we'll be coming to you next week. Take care. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.